there is no going back to normal. So at this point, I'm like waking up every day. Let me just play with my daughter today. Let me just, oh, I'm going to go hang out at my friend's house. Like, oh, I have work to do. Okay, let me do that first. But I, you know, keep my responsibilities in check. But we're just, like, I, I see so many people who are like just waiting till next time to do the thing that they want to do right now, whether that's a vacation or starting a business or anything, because as soon as everybody, as soon as we hit herd immunity, then everything's good. It's this ever moving goal, the first down line that just keeps moving every single <laughs> week, it seems. And if I can encourage anybody is to simply trust your gut that you are smart enough to make wise choices on your own. Pray. Take time away. Balance your online life with your offline life. one person actually make a difference in unifying the entire world? What are some tools I can use to live a life of more freedom? These are just some of the concepts you'll hear about in every episode of See One Beautiful Soul. Hello, beautiful souls. Shalom, salam, ni hao, hola, que tal? This is Barbara Heller, and I am so honored and privileged that you stopped by. Chris Crutchfield is my guest today. You can find him at 67podcast, that's 67podcast on Instagram. You will thank me for it. He is hilarious, and he doesn't really provide a lot of answers, but he asks the greatest questions, and those are my favorite kinds of people to listen to. I don't want to hear someone who says, I have all the answers. Ha 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 ha. I want to hear, have you considered this? What do you think about this? That is someone who is humble. That is someone who has taken the time to learn things, share them, and then discuss them with their audience, just like we do right here at See One Beautiful Soul. If you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, please do so. We also have a community on Facebook. Tell a friend about it. I am also going to be starting a monthly membership where we share our stories, find the gold in them, and then get to heal because we let them go and then created content from them. It's going to be starting very soon. So please stop by barbheller.com or you can email me at info at barbheller.com or go to speakmymagic.com and send me an email and say, Hey, I want to be on the mailing list. Hey, I want to join your membership because there will be a very exclusive, very private Facebook group where we gather and share from our hearts and we will meet live on Zoom and we will not just create beautiful content in the forms of songwriting, poetry slams, performances, one act plays, movie ideas, short films, novels, TED Talks. We will also be healing. If you are a spiritual person, doesn't matter which religion you come from, even if you call yourself an agnostic or even may I add, an atheist or someone who struggles with atheism, which is, I really believe, everybody at different moments in our life. If you're being truly honest, you know what I'm talking about. If you love to laugh, if you're creative, if you've always wanted to tell your story, but you're just not sure how to, this is the place to come. And you, by being a member, will get to have special discounts on workshops, other events that we do, and also our products. This past week, we experienced a lot of warfare in the Middle East, and there were anti-Semitic attacks around the world. London, Los Angeles, New York City, Baltimore, places in Florida, there were 
pretty horrific scenes in newspapers and on television. It wasn't widely reported, but it was reported enough that I myself was scared. There were peace rallies uh, all over the world as well, including in Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem. Both Palestinians and Jews and Arabs from all over the world were making a stand and standing up for peace and freedom. And yet there were also some pretty horrific violent scenes happening. And it really shook me and a big part of me wanted to crawl under my covers and not come out. And I decided today, after a few days of that, to stand up and pray and meditate and hang out with friends of mine from all different ethnic backgrounds and talk about freedom, what freedom means. And so I want to urge you, if you're listening to this, to talk about freedom, talk about fundamental beliefs that work, fundamental religious beliefs that support and protect everyone on this planet, including living beings like the earth and animals. We have a responsibility to take care of one another, to cherish one another, and to know that there are many pathways to truth. We are all one soul. We are all one connected being. And in order to take care of each other, we have no room for violence. There is no room for hate. So thank you for joining me here. Please forward this to someone who you think could use it. And just remember, whatever we focus on gets bigger and becomes our reality. So just focus on the good. Notice that there were peace rallies around the world. Notice that there are people who care very deeply. And when they care, point it out take pictures of it and put that on social media. I had to remind myself to stop complaining this week and stop fearing and living in fear because when we do that, they win. And the last time I checked, throughout history, it's always been a very small group of faithful, like-minded people who decided to believe in the goodness of people. And they are the ones that continued on and we come from those people. Remember that. Let's focus on the good. Let's bring more miracles. Thank you. What do I call you? Do I call you Chris? Chris Crutchfield is my full name. Right. That's fine, but people know you as six foot seven because you are six, six foot seven. seven. That's right. Okay, great. Well, it is a pleasure. I absolutely love your videos. Thank you. you are so wisdom, the truth of Ashkenazi truth. Jews like myself with this kind of skin will say MS. It's the MS, you know what I'm saying? It's the truth. And you just, you speak truth bombs, but through the veil of so much fun. I love that you share your truth unabashedly. Forget necessary. It's just, it's just so rare in today's world. So I just want to commend you. you. And uh, you're not the average guy on the video. <laughs> I've been doing my research for sure. <clears throat> so tell us a little bit about how you got to be Ooh. who you are. Got to be real and got to be who you are. Talk to be real. Uh, my mother and father had a really awesome night one night. <laughs> they didn't give me the deeds, but I'll take their word for it. I was born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I am a baby of the 80s, but a child of the 90s. And I basically always knew that I loved figuring things out. My mother was always into jigsaw puzzles. My father, he was in radio, he played drums, like he was an artist. So I feel like I get my 
left-brainedness from my mama and my right-brainedness from my dad. I feel like I grew up in this way that allowed for me to never be of the impression that I wasn't capable of figuring out whatever it was I needed to do creatively or uh, technically for work or, or to achieve my creative endeavor. So when I went to college in 2002, graduated in 06 from an engineering school, I decided, I was like, you know, I'm going to move to Los Angeles. I just want to, I want to try my my hand in the industry. If anybody, if anybody can make it, I can do it. I'm smart. I make good grades. I have a decent resume. Little did I know that LA does not care about your resume or your grades. It's more about, do you have something to offer from as an artistic quality that can be basically commercialized or uh, brandified, if you will. So I am the product of a nurse and a radio um, host who never really gave me a world that was limited in terms of what I could do uh, physically, mentally, or spiritually. And I think that that was helpful. I had both my parents around. They get along pretty well, even today. And I am very thankful for that because I find that that at least in my internal world, that shaped me to know that I have support in getting, you know, th there is a system of support in place for me to achieve the things that I can do with a, later in my life. And it was just, I guess, the perfect salad of loose and strict, I wouldn't say strict, but just structure and non-structure, if you will. And even though my parents were pretty involved in the school and the church we went to at the time, they always did a decent job of giving us our space and just being like, y'all go over there. I'm the chaperone, but you can't come ask me for no money every five minutes. <laughs> and that, I, I think, gave us, uh, again, a good balance between independence, autonomy, and, you know, respect for, you know, our family just as a micro unit and at large. So... That's a bit about, you know, basically 2010 is when I moved out to L.A. and I had a tremendous run in Los Angeles. I was out there for a decade. And the first half of that decade was like, and then something happened in 2015, till into 2014, 2015, where I kind of like skated off a cliff and kept falling. <laughs> and the trajectory kind of waned. And I what really happened? did. Um, a series of things, not any one thing, but I basically lost a bunch of jobs, broke up with someone I was in a relationship with a bit up to that point, got, had to go to the hospital for something when I was out of town, which at the time I had Blue Cross and Blue Shield of California. So because I was in Florida at the time, sorry, thanks for paying us these thousands of dollars, but because you just happened to step over this line, we're not going to pay no insurance money for you. So that was like a big financial nightmare. And then I had some like roommate situation drama at the time. And it was like six, seven or eight things. Boom, 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 boom. Back to back to back. That just left me in a, in a low point financially, mentally, um, professionally, all these things. But it was a good timing looking back on it because it was enough to get me to slow down. And that's what needed to happen in order for me to realize that something was off about what we have been presented through the television screen, an industry at which I have excelled up to that point. Super Bowl commercials, big brand campaigns, you know, falling all over the world, all this stuff. But I 
you know, you're in the tunnel vision of it when you're in the middle of it and you're so busy working to achieve success in that career that you really don't have time to relax. You forget how you almost get, feel guilty relaxing. I should be hustling right now. What am I doing? Uh, I'm taking like, like one afternoon. I'll take off. It's like you just, I ended up burning out and that, and I look back and I really do think that that's what needed to happen for me to get to a place to stop long enough to be able to read and chew on something. I'm sorry, else. reading? I don't read. That's a thing. Okay. Kids in the like 80s and before that used to do it like all the time for fun. Can Butterfly you? in the sky. <laughs> I can go twice as high. Really? Yeah, got I bet you can. You remember the refrain? It goes. That was when they renewed it for like the 19th season. Listen, this theme song is 18 years old. We got to like add another verse, LeVar. And where's the woman behind it? It was like the woman from... Was it? I didn't even know that. That There's a woman voice on there. Hello. Oh, yeah. You're right. Now that Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'd like to know her. She's hanging out with the lady who's like... They're sitting there reliving their jingles of old somewhere. <laughs> My bad. I had you. You you mentioned the word reading, and yeah, you had to connect. Yeah. Hey, I was a re- I watched a lot of reading Rainbow. Don't take my word for it. You can find out. For yourself. Uh, uh, uh. You go to the local library and get your copy of this one obscure book. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched Reading Rainbow. I like that show. Ignore the dirty background of it. I'm looking at this book. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a bit about me. You know, I just came from a regular-ish family in North Carolina that I really feel put me on a good path to being able to feel equipped to learn on my own and trust my gut and trust my smarts to figure something out and then seek wise counsel when I couldn't. And that's more or less how we got to today. (laughs) Okay, so you make me laugh even when you're just Speaking the norm. Uh, norm! Welcome to just making you way. Okay, see, I will just go off on a chance. That's cool, though. I'm, I like tangents. That's like my trigonometry friends, sine, cosine, and tangent. Was that algebra? I don't even see. I don't even know. <laughs> don't quote me on this. Trigonometry, I forget one. One of them is, both of them are functionally useless as far as, I can, as, far as I'm concerned right. at this point. Yes. But, um, it's funny, you mentioned something earlier, which I did know the definition of, because I had been doing some research a while back on the Navi Emet. The who Emet? The Navi Emet. Oh, Navi Emet, of course, the original yeah. prophets, okay. Yeah. And like Elijah, Alicia. Alicia, yeah. correct. And, you know, Emet being of truth or of, I mean, it's probably got a zillion foundational definitions. That's what I love about the Hebrew language is that the the definitions are in the letters. I th- when I first found that out, I thought that was so cool. I'm like, hold on. So I can just say anything and y'all already know what I mean? I mean, not really, but kind of in principle. <laughs> and You know uh, about the, the letters that Aleph, Mem, Taf are the mm-hmm. first direct middle and end of the alphabet. And so mm-hmm. if you switch the letters around, it's not truth anymore. Like when someone says, oh. no, 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 that guy wasn't trying to kill me. 
Uh, we were just walking to the store and then someone came out of nowhere and then the gun came. All of these cases that are in the news right now, if you actually just break down the, the chronological order, you don't even have to listen mm-hmm. to how they say it, what they're saying. As soon as you take something out of context, it's not truth anymore because you change the story. It And all three letters stand on feet. You know, Hebrew is, is so beautiful. Like yeah, yeah. there's circular letters, oh. there's windy, but the ones that have the feet, they're like, nope, I can stand my ground. This is the truth. And that's it. Olive, Mem, Mem, and Tom. That's that's fascinating because we I'm learning all kinds of stuff. My wife was schooling me on some like the symbol for man and fire and woman are all like Yeah, is she Jewish? No, but we just been studying it because we wanna we trying to learn the truth. I so we've been known. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually have taught Hebrew school and ran my own Hebrew school for like oh, cool. years. So, there are so Hebrew I know schools in Los Angeles? <laughs> Back to right. the topic at hand, which is forgiveness. So mm. I believe that forgiveness is the most undervalued, in Hebrew we'd say mida or human characteristic or value that we have. Can you imagine if people learned how to forgive? That would end systemic chronic illness basically <laughs> overnight. <laughs> It would. And you know what? I feel like I have the balls to stand upon to say it because I'm a a Jew whose family escaped from Russia in the early 1900s. And I'm standing on their shoulders. And what they taught me to do Mm -hmm. all throughout my life and all throughout Jewish history, 3,500 years since we have the Torah, 5,000 years since Abraham, is Mm -hmm. shut up about the past. We, we ain't got time. Like, just keep going and keep growing. Because you if you look forward, then you have a shot. Now, I listen to Esther Hicks. I love her. If you're sitting in victimhood, that is where you will stay. So, so the forgiveness piece actually, to me, marries it. It goes, oh, I, I take the high road. You know, say what you will about Michelle Obama. I love that line. When they go low, you go high. That is so brilliant. We have to learn from that line. What was the biggest thing you had to forgive in your life? Who was it? What were where your tickets there? The moment that jumps out to mind is actually a friend of a friend situation. I've always considered myself, my track record and my integrity speaks for itself across my friend circle, but I've never had any sort of relationship or interpersonal issues with females, really, or males. Until this one time, it was actually part of the cascade of sequences that turned my life from cool to awful in less than a year. <laughs> And it was toward the end of that cascade, but it was basically my ex's roommate, who was a pretty good friend, and she just, I mean, she was going through a lot at the time, sure, that we all were, but a situation, basically what turned into her trying to keep some furniture, because my, the the person, like the, the innocent third party, the ex, was moved overseas. So I needed to basically go retrieve a couple more items on her behalf, even though we had already broken up. But we had, you know, we were cordial by this point. It was like the emotions had smoothed over a bit. And we were like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll go to the apartment and get your stuff. And it was a whole bunch of like, she hasn't been here in six months, so it's mine now type situation. And half of the stuff was mine personally anyway that I had given, <laughs> given them for the apartment. So... um There was just this whole moment where our whole friend circle more or less recognized what she was doing, but nobody wanted to confront her on him. And I'm like, I'm not a confrontational person, but am I really going to have to be the only one to be like, listen, 
you need to act like an adult here. We're all in our 30s at this point. You need to, like, grow up. And I more or less did that, but I picked maybe the word, <laughs> an odd night to do it when she had a whole bunch of people over the house. And, you know, what was really just me saying, listen, we need to talk about this and putting my hand in the door frame just to keep it from being slammed in my face with, you know, no arms, no no. No blows, no objects thrown from either direction turned into her, a friend of hers who happened to be at the house who worked for, I think, College Humor or BuzzFeed or one of those basically waning (laughs) social (laughs) influencer platforms of that style, who more or less was like, I mean, I'll never forget waking up, and I'm not even on Twitter that much, but this person had tweeted and tagged me in this tweet. Ladies, you know, help us teach men that when we say no, no means no. Chris cried, and she tags me and like, teach this man that this is what this means. Literally alluding via a tweet back when it was only 140 characters that you, that I somehow tried to make some sort of sexual or assault-like advance on this person. And I had all these kind of like... DMs and all kinds of, I hope you die. I'm like, hold on. Oh, you can't sit there and say no means no. And all I said was, hey, you're stealing her stuff. And that stuff is actually mine. So please don't shut the door in my face. Like, let's talk about this. And that turned into teach scripts that no means no. And I just remember being like, what? Not only because it had, the whole altercation literally had nothing to do with an interpersonal relationship. This was my ex's roommate. She had her own boyfriend. We was cool. But it wasn't anything like that. On top of that, the lady who made the tweet, I didn't even personally know. On top of that, it was on some, like, you wigging out types. It wasn't even me. It's like, I don't even, I'm not even, I'm doing her a favor. And now I got to, like, deal with lawyers because you mad, I got to get my speakers back. It's like, I just remember being so hurt by that because the her roommate and I were pretty good friends. Like, she was an actress, uh, did improv, did theater, did commercial work, been in projects that I had directed and had been in a video we just did a week prior. And then it kind of flipped and it was this really acute sting of like someone desperate and in a desperate situation going through an emotional situation for her own, intercrossing with me at a bad time when I'm dealing with my own emotional situation. And then that turns into a public misrepresentation of ladies teach men that no means no. So I just remember being like, whoo, I was like lit. And I, you know, I didn't actually seek legal action, but I did seek legal advice about what to do with it. And, you know, they basically more or less say, like, literally just don't say anything because it'll blow over. <laughs> because the second you try to prove it, it's like you just, you it's quicksand, even though you did nothing wrong. And I carried that with me for a little bit, not that long, but just long enough to realize this is going to burn a hole in me if I don't just let her deal with her hurt by herself, you know, not take this on and not even look at it as some sort of um, direct attack at me. But I see a lot of this stuff as spiritual warfare, the opportunity for some sort of spirit of antagonism to hop into someone who is in a vulnerable state at the time and use that to affect. I look at trolls on the internet the same way. <laughs> like, let me get this straight. You came all the way on my page telling me how stupid I am. Pretty sure you're just a vessel for hate at the moment. And you don't even know how stupid I am because you don't know what I'm talking about because you don't know anything. <laughs> it's 
So I'm not even going to be mad at you. I'm just keep scrolling. And I, you know, I just learned that forgiveness, I had always been taught growing up that forgiveness is tied quite closely to health, like mental and spiritual and then physical health. Health. So I always was usually pretty good. I was like, I'm an ace at forgiveness until it really stung. And, and again, not just because she was my friend, but because now Twitter is like thinking I'm some sort of molester because she wouldn't give me my own speakers back that I like <laughs> those are literally my speakers. Like, Did she ever forgive you on publicly and take it down or say, I'm sorry I said that? Wow. No, no, not a thing. And you know, it's whatever, like a year later I had passed and I knew I had clearly done nothing wrong, but I'm like, I, I feel like I want to try to ease the tension. I'll say, Hey, remember me, the guy you basically lied about? Anyway, we were best friends the week before, but I guess science or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did, what did she say? Nothing. So she's never talked to you since that night, never returned the stuff, and never apologized or taken down the tweet publicly. But I don't even, like, this interview is the first time i thought about it in probably three years. Like, it doesn't even, like, sit with me anymore. And I'm hoping slash praying that she's a, she's good. I know my ex is good. She all married, got a family of her own. So we all good. But we, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah, never heard anything. Never got a reply. No, nothing. And it was one of those things. Like, like the thing that burned me up the most really was that happened on like a Friday or something like that. The, the Saturday prior. So we're talking not even a whole fortnight, half less than half of a fortnight prior. She, this person was the one who had come to me because she was going up through her own boyfriend in another situation. Hey man, like I just, I'm going through a lot right now. I'm like, it's okay. Like, it's cool. I know, you know, your, your roommate and me are going through some stuff too. And it was just one of those things that flipped because from, from, from her being in my house more or less crying had roommates and stuff but she was kind of in an emotional state and I was there to help her in, in whatever way I can so less than a week later flipping it like that it was like don't have me pull up the text message just from the other day where you're asking me to come help film your show and now you like telling me I'm a molester because I won't let you slam the door in my face okay all right anyway so it was just a it was a it was kind of a strike across many categories of, of friendship and it burned me for a little bit because it's one thing if you just are frustrated you want some free speakers it's another thing if you try to like besmirch my character publicly using an influencer who had like a pretty big following because of who she works for like it's like it's not even you it's your little 500 followers it's hurt with hundreds of thousands of followers who doesn't even know me who doesn't know anything about the situation making something out of nothing and you gassing her on to do it. Like it was just kind of a double triple. So did you ever talk to that woman who had hundreds of thousands? No. Of wow. And, and the only reason I didn't do that was because the legal advice was basically like, once you engage their word against yours, even if you're completely right. And this isn't, this isn't the season where men get the default. You know, nobody knows my character outside of a Twitter handle. So, you know, it's like, he was like, you can do it, but <laughs> I would advise against that. And so I took his advice and just let it ride. And I haven't seen any blowback or anything from it. It's I, I, At this point, I genuinely have no 
I have forgiven years ago. So I don't carry the memory or the baggage of it anymore. But I do just remember being like, man, pride and confusion can really like just flip a person. That's well, not only that, but the ramifications spiritually of both of these women and anyone who was a witness to that night for not standing up for you. Yeah. I mean, I wish she said it, not me. So much love. I just, yeah, me too. So much love because what, I mean, it used to be that, you know, you watch these British movies, these old timey movies and you see people and they, they shake hands and they, sign things and they look at their faces and say you have my word you know it's like a person's word used to mean so much and now i mean i really try to stand behind this i will see weird things irl in real life and i'll make you know you you saw one of my videos the other day like i just i take it and I, i because i have 20 years of education under my belt i look at every the world as a classroom right i'm in it you're in it even the greatest teachers i've ever had they're all students. And so it's like my show and tell. And so I love to do impressions and I mm-hmm. literally take things I've heard IRL in real life and I, I make fun of them, but I would never make fun of an actual, like even my Mel Robbins thing. Like I'm, I'm just, I love doing impressions of people, but I only bring out the best in the part. Like I try to mm, yeah. see them as like yeah, a totally. human soul, like someone who is sweet and kind and deserves respect and it's totally the highest form of flattery in my opinion Mm -hmm. um but i see people taking it too far sometimes and i'm and then i i i see people just oh i I just feel like bashing this person or like i have a friend whose status is is always about pop culture and they'll say things like oh i just can't with this person or did you see what they were wearing and it's just i know that they're never going to see that person, probably. And mm-hmm. that person's probably never going to see their status. But what does it do? Right. To How everybody make, else who is looking. Yes. What is it that we get so dissented? Oh, well, I didn't agree with that. Or, you know, in my book, And Then One Day the World Cough, it's all about, you know, the blessings of COVID. And, and one of the things I say is, you know, here I am bashing you on Twitter. My show is, the, my idol is the best idol. My, this, my singer is the best singer. And it's like, we're just constantly bashing each other for who we like and we don't like instead of right. who are you? What are right. you like? And, and where that are- goes right into the science discussion. Absolutely. Like you feel this way about a face covering. So therefore, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And now it's descended so politically that you can pretty much just like, like oh, it's below his nose. Okay, he's probably Republican. It's It's so unfair because I don't necessarily identify with either party. There are people and values of each party that I like. And I kind of like that there's only two. In Israel, there's like 18 plus, plus, Mm -hmm. plus. But have you heard of this new one? (laughs) They tried the the lady. I forgot her name. She's a a health specialist there who's trying to start. Because what's been going on over there recently is pretty crazy. I've been hearing I've been to, I've been to Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was younger. I got baptized in the Jordan. Jordan. That's but yeah, it was hot. They rewrited my bags from Ben Gurion to Charles de Gaulle or whatever in Paris. I'm like, so here I am, hot in the middle of <laughs> the Fertile Crescent, 
You're not wearing anything anyway. It's too hot. Well, no, I was wearing long sleeves and long pants because we were coming. It was we were coming on a long international flight at the time. So I'm like, I'm gonna be warm on the plane, but then I'll change when I get off. Yeah, my bags was over in Timbuktu, so I was sweating for a whole week in my drawers and outfit <laughs> till the plane came. But my otherwise, the experience was great. <laughs> Oh, I, I tell, always tell people to go to Israel because it is really an amazing place. And it is so multicultural. Mm-hmm. And um, there's Jews of every color, every nationality, mm-hmm. every background. And then there's other people, too. There's mm-hmm. different quarters. There's all kinds of people literally coming together. And in Tel Aviv, it's the number one capital for gays and LGBTQs in the world and the that. vegan capital of the Eastern that. Hemisphere. Yeah. And people... Yeah, and all you hear is Israel's an apartheid state. They're horrible. They're radical racists. And it's like, okay, can we just can you can you just go? Can I stopped watching the news right. the year that I that I, I lived there for almost two years, and I went back every summer for a bunch of years and taught there and volunteered mm-hmm. there. It completely changed my politics because I yeah. thought I was woke and understood. Mm-hmm. And then you're actually standing in the Middle East and talking to Arab brothers and sisters, and you you talk about dem- real democracy and what it looks like and Israel has a long way to grow. I'm not saying they're perfect. Uh, We're perfect, I should say, we. Um, But anyway, I digress. Yes, there's a lot of crazy happening right now, especially with the the, the shots, uh, (laughs) taking shots. Um, I just, you know, so let's get into it a little bit. So what do you think are some values, uh, tools that people can use in this climate right now to live a life of pure freedom. To be honest, gut feeling, that's been the reason when I've spoken a bit on is trusting your gut feeling. Because if, if, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that we basically can't trust nothing but our bowels, maybe. And, you know, the fact that we get tired, like there's so few things that we can trust. So many people, I had a vacation booked. The summer of 2020. Well, how did that work out? Well, we're just going to reschedule it for the summer of 2021. Good luck. I mean, like, oh, okay. Are you? <laughs> what country? So if, if last year has taught anybody anything, it's that we're moving, we're shifting out of this era of let me schedule it in my Google calendar for five years from now, and I'll totally see you then. It's like we have to be much more, at least I feel that, I'm inclined to be much more present in the moment. Like, let's set it up for next week. Like, let's meet. Let's meet tomorrow. Like, just live life like you don't have next week, and trust the gut feeling. Like, can you imagine if everybody at the beginning of this, hey, some person in China ate a bat, so go home. Like, uh, okay. Especially in California, because that's where I was when it all kicked up. Two weeks, okay. Three weeks, we're shutting down every business. Um, how about you just let us decide who, like, like, like always, if we want to risk our own health, we do that. If we, if this thing, there's so many anomalies regarding this pandemic, but leaving the responsibility in the individual to make wise choices. If everybody had done that, especially if they were told, hey, we'd all be still here in a year, they probably would have just been like, I'm ready. I got my vitamin C and I got a, a, a bottle of vinegar or something like my aunt told me about. And I'm, I'm come on, get me COVID. I'm ready. Just I can handle it. And you know what would happen? Statistically speaking, 
93% of people under 70 would have been just fine. But a lot of these hunches and like, oh, okay, this doesn't feel right, just got placated by social pressure. And I get it that nobody really knew what we were dealing with in the beginning. But whenever that threshold changes where we can like, okay, you guys send something's up here. Wherever that moment began to now, enacting this sense of autonomy and taking your own life and responsibility in your own hands. And, and like and trusting God that he'll have you, like he sustained you and brought you this far, right? So it can't be like slipping and tripping when it comes to like a disease that's just showed up out of nowhere. <laughs> like, oh, oh man, I'm God. Okay, well, oh, COVID. Oh, uh, Angel, Michael, Gabriel, what should I do? Uh, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> he didn't probably say that, right? It's just, I don't know how to predict God's every move, but I'm pretty sure that's not what he said. Um, <clears throat> that being said, I just am in this place where I'm like, live like, like, live like this is an apocalypse movie, Last Man on Earth, or melancholy or any one of these like end of times movies where we know is that is in like it's done but it's a wrap because as far as i could tell american western normalcy it is a wrap <laughs> whatever was considered normal up to this point it's wrapped up and kebobbed up there is no going back to normal so at this point i'm like waking up every day let me just play with my daughter today let me just oh i'm gonna go hang out at my friend's house like, oh i have work to do okay let me do that first but I, you know, keep my responsibilities in check. But we're just like I, I see so many people who are like just waiting till next time to do the thing that they want to do right now, whether that's a vacation or starting a business or anything. Because as soon as everybody, as soon as we hit herd immunity, then everything's good. It's this ever moving goal, the first down line that just keeps moving every single <laughs> week. It seems. And if I can encourage anybody, it's to simply trust your gut that you are smart enough to make wise choices on your own. Pray. Take time away. Balance your online life with your offline life. Everybody can sniff the BS, but I get the impression based on some resources and contacts and conversations that I've had that this is all an economic shift and it's just using a healthcare front to more or less be the Trojan horse that is the excuse. I don't know. I mean, I I pray a lot and I study the spiritual. I don't study the news. I don't watch the news. Really? Uh, Me neither. Yeah, it's gross. I mean, I'll of course I see things people post and I'll I'll catch glimpses of stuff. And you always you know what's going on if you're on any social media. Right. Um, but the compass that I have is always God first. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know. And my my Jewish values and I guess somewhat Buddhist values, it's all the same, but it's just truth, you know, like kindness and truth. And uh, I, I have commandments that I keep. So, you know, they all kind of go through that prism. Is this hurting people? Is this kind? Is this good? Does this speak to my soul? And if it doesn't, I'm like, ooh, I smell a rat. Something's wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the truth is. And I'm not here necessarily to bring it. I think God took truth out of the world for a reason. But I will mm -hmm. tell you one thing I know for sure, and that is that we have free will mm -hmm. to decide how we feel about what truth is being presented to us. And I think that's what you're getting at. Viktor Frankl, who's, I quote him in the very first podcast episode of this, um, he was one of the survivors of the Holocaust and wrote books about it, Man's Search for Meeting. 
and um, this is my favorite. And he talks about how they literally took the fillings out of our mouths. Uh, six million Jews and six million other people. They always say six million. It's, no, there were actually 12, 13 million altogether, one million ch- innocent children. But there were six million Jews and that brought down the Jewish population from 15 million, uh, 15 million um, to, or I think it was, it was whatever, it, it became 15 million. Um, and we haven't really gotten further than that because of intermarriage. So I think God wants us to be about one less than 1% of the world. Uh, and it's funny because <laughs> we've won a bunch of Nobel prizes and we, you know, take a lot of lead in music and, and, and sciences and, and all cool, finance and stuff. And, and sometimes the news, but it's a lot of self-hating Jews, if you ask me, and people who don't stand up for our values. So. Who don't even practice them. Exactly. What I'm finding, my approach to, you know, investigating the Hebrew culture and the language came from having grown up Christian and having basically been, you know, in Bible study, Bible class, Bible church, three days a week minimum. And... I hit a point where I said, I need to know who this Jesus is. Like, like I, I can't just go off this theme or this guy's interpretation of this book series. I have to really know. And that was in my adulthood part of, you know, part of that came on the heels of learning, oh, this is who Lucifer really is? Wow. Oh, he's in that building? Oh, I was there too the, the week before. Oh, that was close. <laughs> learning the, t- the practical tangibility to how real that side is. And then being like, okay, I got to read it. I have to really get to the bottom of this. Because if I'm ever standing before some hypothetical pearly gates one day, and he goes, Chris, did you really lean into it to try to figure out who I was? I knew at the time that I couldn't honestly say yes. Like, well, I mean, kind of, no, no, okay, no, you're right. So I said, I can't live with that. So I dove into it. And what I discovered is a cultural thing that has to do with these like principles, almost of like agriculture. And I mean, that's why I think all the all these parables are told about mustard seeds and olive trees and things like this. And I realized that all these truths that are present in Torah are mirrored in, in Shabbat being a very um, appropriate example of this are mirrored in like practical sciences studied studies as well as nutrition and things like that. Like any atheist, agnostic, secular, humanistic, whatever, satanic, whatever, doctor or chiropractor will tell you, yes, a day of rest is a good thing. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't violate the laws of like human sciences outside of it. And it all comes full circle. The Torah is like, when I rediscovered law as is written in the bible i realized oh this comes from the word torah and torah more aptly means instruction or loving instruction so when i'm explaining torah to people for example i'm like get, take the word law and stick it in the chest and set it over there the instruction on how to live life in a way that benefits you and your fellow neighbor and god at the same time is torah that's the whole point and it has a trajectory to it from start to finish and so belief systems that start here or here that don't really acknowledge past or a foundational trajectory toward life and sus- sustainability from like the rules ancient, having rules. Rule, yeah. If exactly. you have, if you walk on a basketball court and you just start shooting, or with no rules, and I just take a, a shotgun to your face and blast you away, and then take the ball and score. Right? If there's no rules, like you can't have automatic weapons on the basketball. Field, <laughs> then 
I won, you did, you lost. Okay, I, I go to the next round of the tournament. It's meant to be a religion. It's meant to be a lifestyle code. As a parent, I bequeath unto you, my child, wisdom on how to conduct yourself from baby to adulthood. It'll show you how to properly love me and deal with me and how to properly love one another. And anybody who thinks that they got a better idea how to do that, like, let me know how that works out for you. Right, and, and you almost, can kind of see it in what's happening right now politically mm-hmm. because you can tell... I don't care what what political party you belong to, who you follow, who you would vote for, who you wouldn't. The value system of people who actually have rules in their life that mm-hmm. have to do with divine law or code mm-hmm. have a way different understanding and almost processing. Or it is Kodesh. I feel it is set apart. I can't believe how much Hebrew you just spoke in there. Okay. When you were talking about Jesus before and how you're like, wait, it's not just a book series. Like what, that was such a brilliant line. Like, Mm -hmm. how do I actually live this way? And that was always sort of like my beef with Christianity in a way, even Mm -hmm. though I have so many Christian friends and I love them. And there's a lot of Christian friends I have that are more Mm -hmm. religious, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and lead in a way like a much more um, spiritual life than, you know, members of my own family who like refuse to go to synagogue or won't Mm -hmm. open a book and don't really (laughs) want to talk about that. I don't have time. Uh, yeah. by the pool you know it's like i love i love all of them there's there's room for everybody but i do feel like the the backstory of christianity was you know it, you can correct me if i'm wrong but when i went through the university of florida uh sociology of religion classes and modernism and 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 all the racism in there and capitalism that became what christianity is it's like just believe and and just pray to me and say that you're sorry and you can do really whatever you want. There's really, just do Christmas and Easter and have fun and go to church. But like you don't actually have to do any of these laws. That's just for the Jews. It's like wait, 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 wait. And there's this thing called the Noahide laws, which I don't know if you know about. I'm sure you do. the seven. They're just like the seven spiritual laws of success. They're just seven rules that are very very simple that you would think like don't steal, don't kill, don't eat a living animal covid while (laughs) you know (laughs) while it's alive don't do that be nice animals okay you know yeah no we have a lot that we can discuss because we great minds think alike and i find that um for me that was the whole backstory like i grew up Christian and I, we fully knew that Jesus was a Jew, you know, like nobody's really, that's not lost on anybody. But then we're like, okay, so like he didn't celebrate Christmas. Like, now, keeping in mind, I've transitioned from things that I used to do growing up in my adulthood. And Christmas is one of them, you know, some people find that a very hot button discussion. But we, my wife and I haven't celebrated it now in about five years. And I don't clown on people who do, but we look at it like, oh, well, let's look into Saturnalia. Let's find out the Roman origin. Let's find out the, the whole premise to the backstory of the gingerbread man. Are you are familiar with this? You probably know this already. No. Like Saturnalia. So you, you're clearly probably intimately aware of the, you know, history of the Judean region between, say, 70 AD and now. So we know we have the giant war in Jerusalem in 70 AD. And then the territory and the immediate captivity goes into um, uh, basically Roman oversight through the Herodian dynasty and managed by the Sanhedrin, well, not really the Sanhedrin, but just managed by the Herodian dynasty that led into the Roman councilship. And what developed by the turn of the millennium 
was a practice called Saturnalia, after the deity Saturn, where they basically, like the movie The Purge depicts, gave the courts and councils a full week of no session so that there was no trials for robberies, murders, anything like that. It was more like a primitive version of the purge, like, ah, anything goes. Because what they was all doing is doing some orgies and some crazy stuff too. But part of the ceremony was to take a Jew, like literally a enslaved man from the tribe of Judah at the time, and flog him and drag him through the streets. And then more different stories will have you like kind of concluded different ways, but more or less a single person was kind of paraded around. And that in its whitewashing and extrapolation became the reason we make gingerbread cookies that we literally physically eat man shaped cookies. Because, because of that. he was gingerly walking? Like No, I just because it was a a brown a more brown person <laughs> in uh, captivity. Don't get me started on how Jews and blacks are completely the same and Yeah, well. Well, we're all African You preach into the choir over here. Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> but anti-white you know, literally means anti-black. But it really it, when Nick Cannon said that, I kind of fell off my chair because on one hand I was happy that he saw we were united. The problem is it was the whole you know, uh, like I remember hearing about the Nick Cannon thing through someone else. And, you know, I went back and looked at it and I remember seeing someone comment on it. Like what he said wasn't wrong. He just presented it completely poorly and, and, and didn't back up. didn't contextualize what he was saying. And, and, and and it ended up more, more than likely doing a disservice. Plus, you know, he, he yeah. basically took away our suffering in one second, which is, you know, goes back full circle to the Twitter account that in one sentence with our words, you know, sticks and stones can break people's bones. But the, but the words, I think, are so much more damaging because they literally create a world. Worked in TV for, you know, worked in the entertainment industry in L.A. It has given people an unfair, like a, this assumption that you really know the person that you're looking at on the screen. Now... We just now looking at you on the screen, but if anybody said, "Hey, could you tell me Barbara's integrity? Like, can you tell me is she is she capable of being someone other than she's presenting herself on screen?" I would look her. No, she's hilarious. Like, what are you talking about? Like, nah, I, I know her. I know her. I know her. Here she <laughs> is. Now, I'm using you as an example just for ease, but. It would be much different if you had spent a career as a billionaire, you know, <laughs> a real estate mogul with kind of a nose up in the air the whole time up to this point. Now, again, I'm not like I don't sit on either political. I'm, I'm very much apolitical at this point. So I have Republican friends, Democrat friends and everybody. in between. I call myself just Jewish. That helps a lot. Right. <laughs> but what I'm finding is that people are so quick to own and like literally fight for a person, a man with either a blue tie or a red tie. They've <laughs> never met. They don't know personally. They don't know anybody who knows them personally. They ain't never been eight degrees away from of separation, much less one or two degrees away. And they will straight up disown childhood friends over their perceived like trust or distrust, hatred or love of an individual who's gone through media training, editing, PR, legal, before you even get to hear what he says. 
is he the one tweeting on the other end of that phone? You wouldn't know, would you? Like, you really wouldn't know. Like, you really out here thinking he's sitting on the toilet saying all this stuff. <laughs> but the <laughs> fact of the matter is, he could be on one tweet, and then the next tweet, it could be a series of scripted things on, you know, there's, there's the sky's the limit. It's true. I was on Clubhouse the other day in a comedy room, and I really, I have my own comedy rooms I'm in, but it's really all about, like, sweetness and fun and light, mm-hmm. fluffy. Most of the comedy rooms on Clubhouse, I find with, like, the big names is, like, Xanax, dildo. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I have the mic. You can't come up. And it's very like, I'm in power. All of you hundreds of people listening, you'll never get on stage. But if you want to, you can cash at me and I'll get you up here for two seconds and then I'll cut you off. And it's uh, I, like, yeah. I can't even handle it for pretty much a minute. So I'm in these other rooms and there was this one comedy room I was trying out and somebody said something about the industry and how they're sad that it's so political. And I went, oh my gosh, me too. And so I said, um, I've always found the Roseanne bar case really interesting Mm -hmm. because I was really loving the new Roseanne, regardless Mm -hmm. of how I felt about her and how crazy I always thought Mm -hmm. she was. I loved that she was bringing up topics the way Norman Lear did in the 80s with All in the Family and really discussing what's really happening, not Mm -hmm. sugarcoating it Mm -hmm. or taking one side, but having like discussions about it. And doing a little bit of research on the counter argument because she could speak to it. And having a full set of producers who were very different in their politics. Almost like The View. One of them was from The View, actually, like Sarah Gilbert. No one knows this because only one person reported it. But the second phone call she made after she talked to her lawyer was, how can I keep the show without being a part of it? I will fire, APC is going to fire me, fine. But how does everyone else keep their job? And that took so much courage and she did it. They still Mm. were... They they were still greenlit and they still did it without her name, without even like they were taking she never was gonna get a dime again. And she lost all the rights to her. I mean, so much she came, lost her syndication rights too. I believe so. You can look it up. But what hurts me so much that was one drunk tweet that ruined one sentence. This is words. I think this this conversation is gonna be about words, but the yeah. title is gonna be about how your words Word. really hurt you. Words word but what i'm saying is there was never a chance for a conversation about what Mm -hmm. she did now say what you will about roseanne barr and i'm going to say another heavy hitter candace owens Mm -hmm. watch the interview of candace owens and roseanne barr it is fascinating that would be fascinating you have to wrap up and i'm so sad this is only number one we're going to be we'll do number two three number two (laughs) with you too i'll bring the sprites tell us how we can get in touch with you i am most active on my podcast Instagram, which is six seven, the number six, the number seven podcast on Instagram. I also have um, Facebook.com slash sixty seven podcast, sixty seven podcast at gmail.com for those who prefer the email route. And I also am now venturing into like some other platforms, Rumble, brand new tube. I'm considering TikTok. I don't really I ain't got the energy for no TikTok, but I might just like Dump everything on TikTok and walk away. I'm on Telegram. Um, Telegram and YouTube are the only two platforms where you have to type in S-I-X-S-E-V-E-N because you have to be a person with a real name. You can't be a number. Like, tell that to Elon Musk, kid. Okay, I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah, those are the different places I'm most active on Instagram. Amazing. Yeah, your videos are off the chain. Thank you. I'm just so glad to meet you. 
I definitely want to hang out with all y'all and the world needs you. And here are some nuggets of gold from this episode. Forgiveness would end systemic chronic racism and illness. If you're sitting in victimhood, that's where you'll stay. Just because a person is famous, even if you've seen a bunch of interviews on them, that is not a measure of their integrity. Remember that when you vote for somebody just because you've seen them in a few movies. Religious laws, i.e. Judeo-Christian Islamic law, are instructions for life, having rules for the game of life. Christianity does include some laws. If you're curious, we discussed something called the Noahide laws, or the laws of Noah, or what was given to Adam and Eve when they were first born. And here they are. Do not worship idols. Don't curse God. Don't commit murder. Don't commit sexual misconduct. Don't steal. Don't eat flesh torn from a living animal and establish courts of justice. Now, according to Jewish law, you don't have to be any religion in order to follow them. This is, if you will, the seven golden rule commandments that were given to the world, no matter what religion you practice. In one sentence with your words, you can damage a person's character for life. That is why in Judaism, we consider speaking slander about someone as if you have murdered them because you have murdered their character or the potential of their good character. Trust your gut. You may not be getting all the information you truly need, so ask. Always exercise your freedom and take the time and your power to ask great questions. If you know somebody with a great story about forgiveness, failure, or freedom, please share them with us. If you learned something new or feel like something from this episode could inspire someone else, please share the episode on your Facebook page or Instagram and tag that person and tag us too. You can find all of our social medias, drop us a note, or join our newsletter at www.c1beautifulsoul.com. Please don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you hear podcasts. May we all choose to look for the light in ourselves and each other in all ways, always. Always.